2: Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio.
3: Women's Football Weekly with Fay Others on Talk Sport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Cleared off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers.
4: Lana Cleland striking from outside the penalty area.
3: World beating big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored! Women's Football Weekly with Faye Herothers on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello,
5: how are you? Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Just a quiet week in the world of women's football, right? Wrong. Cancellation chaos as COVID-19 cases and injuries force postponement of most of the weekend's WSL fixtures.
3: It's been a dark week for women's football and uh, I urge the FA to support us to make sure that we can fulfil our squad quotas for games. And I think for the players and for everybody across the sport, we've worked so hard to get the women's game where we are.
5: With Chelsea boss Emma Hayes at least got to see a superb performance from Frank Kirby, though, as the Blues beat Reading in the only game of the weekend.
4: Kurt keeps it in and Kirby's there and that is the hat-trick. The flag stays down and Chelsea have scored a third and Kirby has a first half hat-trick.
5: And it looks like Miami, not Tokyo, as Phil Neville's on the verge of leaving the FA without a Team GB manager ahead of the Olympics.
3: Uh, yes, I do, want, I do want to be the Team GB manager, but I think, I think I'm really relaxed about it because I work for an organisation that, 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 that do things the right way.
5: All that plus we'll discuss West Ham's new manager Ollie Harder here from Watford and Wales striker Helen Ward on how lockdown led her to consider retirement. And we'll catch up on the weekend action from the championship. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show.
3: Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others.
1: Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talkspot 2.
5: Hey, how are you all doing? I have a couple of guests with me uh, today and a very special one to introduce first and foremost because Claire Rafferty, former England and Chelsea defender, is celebrating her birthday. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello, thank you everyone It's my birthday. yes. Yeah, so today's all about me. Sorry everyone. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> Listen, I promised you a brass band, but in these COVID times, I'm afraid I could not rustle one up. Well, you know what, Faye? Everyone was on Twitter was saying that was 31,
6: so I'll take that because I'm actually 32 today, so 32 (laughs) years young. (laughs) I'd take that. I'd take 32. I'm I'm expecting a sing along at least though, Faye.
5: Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, me and Tom Gary did speak about this earlier because Tom's making his debut on Women's Football Weekly. Hi, Tom. Good evening, Faye.
7: Hi, and many happy returns, Claire.
5: Thank you. Right now, listen. In these kind of COVID times, we obviously have to work from a distance a little bit, and we've got a couple of little line um, delays, so we'll, we'll just be careful and cautious of that. But Tom, you, you left the BBC for The Telegraph, which means that we can get you on Women's Football Weekly now, and we were chatting earlier on about potentially singing to Claire Rafferty later and decided maybe not a, not a good idea.
7: No, I don't think that would be the the Women's Football Weekly debut anybody would want to remember. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know,
5: I think I'd remember it. I'd keep it in the archives, that's for sure. Uh, Right, now listen, there might not have been very much football after the winter break, but there's certainly been a lot of news around this week. Let's recap exactly what's happened because on Monday, Tom, you exclusively revealed that four Manchester City players had tested positive for COVID-19 after a club-sanctioned trip to Dubai. Then a few days later, Arsenal also had at least one player test positive who'd been in Dubai as well and others having to self-isolate as a result. Uh, Some of the players were there for business reasons but the impact of those positive tests and the trip itself has been absolutely huge. Players, managers and fans all showing their frustration on, on social media. Both Arsenal and Manchester City then had to ask for their games against Aston Villa, Aston Villa and West Ham in the WSL to be postponed and City's uh, game against Chelsea in the Conti Cup as well. Um, we'll get on to what happened with the other games shortly, but Tom, you, you broke this story. What else do we know and what other fallout has there been?
7: Well, in terms of the fallout, Faye, uh, I've been lucky to cover this uh, this division, the Women's Super League, for seven seasons now, and I can never remember a, a, a week like the one we experienced last week, having having five games of the of the six postponed. Uh, in terms of what else we know, well, there are now COVID outbreaks at, at several clubs, not n- nothing major to see an entire. Club closed down, but there are cases now at lots of clubs, and I think there are games now in doubt for the for the coming days as well. Uh, in terms of the trips to Dubai, as you said, there some some of those were made for for business reasons, but we're talking about very senior international footballers here who, in the middle of this global pandemic, took the decision uh, kind of against ad- a government advice to, to travel a- across the world. Uh, and in some cases, we've seen pictures on social media of players relaxing on beaches and and for whatever reasons those trips were made, as you said, many with club permission, um, i think it's just given out a, a bad look really for, for so many people who have been isolating or, or missing family members and, and and following the rules very 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 strictly um even though the players may have may have had their reasons uh, for, for going out there it's just given off a, a really uh, a bad impression and some fans i think have been left with quite a bit of taste and also players at other teams who who canceled plans to perhaps go and see family abroad particularly the players in london clubs who had family overseas and didn't travel once London moved into Tier 4 on the night of the 19th of December. I think for those players, it's been quite hard to swallow seeing some of their their league rivals having having gone abroad to Dubai. Um, But on the pitch, yeah, the impact has been vast because of the cases we're now seeing. Not all those cases caused by trips to Dubai, I must stress, but yeah, the cases now at the club's... uh, caused a real problem and in Emma Hayes' words it was a dark week for, for the women's game
5: yeah well we'll hear from Emma Hayes shortly I just want to read out um, a tweet from Jilly Flaherty West Ham captain who, who said as much as the growth of the women's game is brilliant now we're able to be full-time professionals and inspire the younger generation I really don't like the arrogance that the money and wages have brought into it players need to remain humble and remember how quick it can change that was kind of you know there was a lot of really strong response Raf um on social media in in particular and it is really important to state that the players actually didn't break any laws what they did was within government guidelines although not necessarily um, the government's advice but Manchester in particular was in tier three when those those players left and it was the clubs that sanctioned these trips so should the responsibility fall on them rather than the players
6: yeah, you know, what, I was, I was having a think about this earlier. And, and and for me, I would have acted the same way Casey Stoney has done and almost held hands up as a club. I do think the club has a responsibility. Um, and I think as you say we're going to hear for Emma later on, but I think she probably would have done the same thing. Initially, I guess um, it is the responsibility you have as a player. You're a role model and you're put in this privileged position. And it's about that decision making. The only thing I would say on the other hand of it is that being involved myself is that you do get caught up in this bubble this world and sometimes you can just get strung along with it and, and I think touching on the arrogance of it and increased wages and, and all that kind of angle of it. I think in hindsight obviously they wouldn't have done it um, and I, I, I would like to see some of the players apologise and come out and take responsibility but I think least of all we should be seeing the clubs doing that um, just, just as Casey done you know she said that she's allowed her players to do so she shouldn't in hindsight and I think I think that's the least I think the fans uh, really, really, really do respect. I think, sorry, I think that's the least that the fans should get because, you know, it, they've followed the women's game over this period of time. There's been lots of highs and lows, hasn't there? And I think people don't want to become too disenchanted with, with women's football and we don't want to see it go the same way.
5: Mm, and and actually, none of the Manchester United players who, who'd gone out to Dubai um, came back with any positive tests or anything uh, like that. But Casey Stoney did, as you say, put her hands up, the Manchester United manager, uh, and say that they shouldn't have, have sanctioned that. And I think that's a really important point point to make is that it is it is the per, the player's personal responsibility, but it's, it's the club's responsibility to impart onto the players what their responsibility is, if that makes sense. There's a lot of responsibilities within that sentence itself. Uh, let's hear from Emma Hayes, who's much more articulate than me, shall we? Uh, she said that women's football needs to respond to what happened this week.
3: We, in the women's game, the clubs, the players uh, and everybody involved, we have a huge responsibility and our responsibility is to adhere to not just government guidelines but club guidelines. And that this is an unprecedented time where people are dying, and it's uh, the privilege that's been bestowed upon us to go to work every day is one that we are in jeopardy of losing if we don't behave properly, and that and i think that we now have a responsibility the fa i think i have to mandate that we test for you know, for academy players to be added to our to our bubbles preferably five or six so that we ensure fixtures are taking place every week and that's not to say that, that getting covid is is listen I, I, we are a group that have experienced it sometimes it's impossible to get a fixture on if covid uh, runs through the camp. However, I think every club, big or small, has a responsibility to add younger players to its group, so that we ensure that the league and finishing the fixtures come above everything else. That's our responsibility. That's our duty. I think it's been a dark week for women's football, and uh, I urge the FA to to support us to make sure that we can fulfil our squad quotas for games. And I think for the players and for everybody across the sport, um, we've worked so hard to get the women's game where we are. Uh, remember that and make sure we're focused on, on providing some small entertainment for millions of people that are unable to leave their house and some that are suffering and can't see their families. Um, and we don't get ahead of ourselves. That's the critical message from me.
5: Chelsea manager Emma Hayes there never minces her words, does she? I mean, she said Tom Gary, that it was a dark week for for women's football. What what can women's football learn from this week, though?
7: Well, I think the problem that the biggest problem we have is, is that because we, no one's ever been through such a pandemic before in sport like this, we the rules are are almost needing to evolve now as we go forward because we're coming across scenarios that we weren't expecting. And and I th- and I think where the biggest anger people have felt is, is you know, for example, why is a game off when, uh, well, for example, if you're a fan and you see Man City have a, get a game called off because they've got some players uh, absolutely COVID, they're saying, well, you're Manchester City, you've got lots of money, why can't you bring in young players? Or, you know, surely you can field a squad. And I think um, the complication around the academies is really significant. My understanding, for example, at Man City is that their academy players aren't among their elite testing pool, So they weren't able to quickly call upon academy players because they've not been being tested for COVID-19. Similarly, Arsenal, I understand their academy can't open at the moment because it's so closely linked with schools that are closed under lockdown. That they can't get the academy open and therefore they can't test the young players and therefore they can't draft them in quickly mm. uh, but with, with with all those things we're we're coming across scenarios that we would never have envisaged when when we when the FA would have drawn up these rules around what games can be postponed and what games can't. And it's, it's developed this sort of mess where we had that Bristol City game that was allowed to go ahead earlier in the season uh, when they had players isolating, but at that point, no players testing positive, And they were told to play a match and play academy players. And I suppose for them, now they're looking at it thinking, well, why... We're almost being punished for having our academy up and running at that time compared to clubs who haven't got their academy up and running now. And I just think that in answer to your question, what we need to learn from it is is we need to look again at some of the, the rules and the clarity around what constitutes a postponement uh, and, and, and you know what help can be given to clubs to get young players up and going. Because that lack of elite status for the academies is a real problem.
5: Yeah, and the FA, you know, um, Baroness Sue Campbell, the FA Director of Women's Football, said she was personally disappointed by the postponements, said it was important that every single one of us acts as a role model. Um, The FA very keen to, to put the emphasis on the clubs, though, again. Uh, Claire Rafferty. But but just as Tom was saying there, um, Everton had exactly the same situation. They had five players who tested negative for COVID, but aren't fit enough to play. And then other injuries meant that they had just 13 players. So they postponed their match against Manchester United. Um, Brighton have had a, a, a big outbreak. Um, and so their match against Bristol City w- was postponed late on as well. But Birmingham, on the other hand, had to had their request to postpone their match against Spurs after one positive test and a host of injuries left them with just ten players. Uh, they had that rejected, which nobody fully understands. They postponed the match themselves, and they'll have to go to a tribunal as a result. You, you can only really think that the FA are going to have to behave in a in a fair way with them at this tribunal.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite confusing, isn't it? What's been cancelled? Why? Number of players. I'm a bit. Tom knows probably best. As he's been reporting all of it. But for me, I think I think Birmingham first and foremost have been struggling to, you know, name a full squad, a fully fit squad for for most of the season. Actually, I know they've been desperate. at has been desperate to sign players. Um, but I think, look, it's it's about the depth of these squads. We look at the the, the bigger the bigger clubs, the likes of Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea, who have the depth of squads who were who were, pushing for the Champions League. They need that depth in squad because they're competing in in all different tournaments. I think it goes back to a question about, you know, from the FA to the clubs. Are the clubs doing enough still to make sure that they do have the depth in squad? Is this just something that we couldn't prepare for? I do think there are a few different questions. For me, I would still love to see an increase in investment from the clubs because we talk about, obviously, the, the academy players and protocols around that. Is this not a foresight we could have potentially already seen? It's arguably obviously not because of the situation we're in. It is all up in the air, isn't it? But for me, even training, for, I, I love training um, when when you play able to play 11 v 11. In order to do that, we used to have to always be academy players in. So for Chelsea, that's something that they've always done. I would love to see other clubs do that, even just for increasing training standards.
5: Yeah, it's um, there, there's so much into it, isn't there? Because uh, Kelly Simmons, the FA's women's uh, professional game director, kind of said it's really important to adhere to the protocols to get games away because no one wants to be in a situation where we're deciding Champions League promotion and relegation through a formula again we want to complete the season on the pitch but that just might not be possible at some point Tom
7: No, uh, and I think it's also important to say uh, that that for the FA that they're in a very difficult position because while fans and some clubs seem frustrated at at seeing these games called off and the FA accepting the request to have games called off, if the FA were to tell a team you have to play and, and, and players are put at risk, then... That that's that's not an acceptable situation either. So the the FA are in a very uh, difficult position to deal with, and I don't think we should lay you know the blame at their door here. And and we should also really remember as well that the real enemy to hold this whole situation, the, the the pantomime villain, perhaps, is the virus. You know that we can criticise clubs we can criticize players uh, for 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 going on certain trips but at the end of the day the real problem here is a global pandemic uh, so it's it, people are do, trying their best to deal with a, this this very unusual situation yeah you what what claire saying there i completely I completely agree with um, and i don't I don't think um, that the situation with the academies can can continue for much longer. I really think that's the, the, the situation that needs resolving is bringing more young players through because then you can have a much better weekly environment for everybody. As Claire says there, you can get more 11 versus 11 and you've got much more chance of getting a, a, a team out on, on a weekend. Exactly.
5: You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker others alongside Tom Garry from The Telegraph and former England Chelsea and West Ham defender Claire Rafferty. Uh, coming up, Miami instead of Tokyo, Phil Neville's departure from the FA looks impossible imminent. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football with Faker others, World Cup bronze medalist Claire Rafferty and The Telegraph's Tom Garry. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app so you can download it today and go to our podcast section. Uh, Right, some more big news from this week and actually we thought this announcement was going to break during our show today. Uh, It is certainly imminent, that is for sure. England uh, head coach Phil Neville is set to be named as the manager of Major League Soccer Team Inter Miami, where his old Manchester United teammate David Beckham is a co-owner. Now, it had been reported just before Christmas, of course, that Neville would be taking the Team GB role after months of speculation and waiting. Here's what he had to say to us here on Talksport 2 back in November.
3: Yeah, my plans are to uh, see out my contract with the FA and to finish the journey that I set out to do. Uh, I, I love every minute of it, and uh, that, that's—I've—I've uh, I, I've lost three assistants. Casey Stoney went to Manchester United. Beth Priestman got the job in Canada, and now rianne has got the, the the Tottenham job. Part of. My love for this job is to see the, the, the female coaches that I'm working with getting unbelievable opportunities. That was the one thing when I went for the job interview, I wanted obviously to be successful, but I wanted to give opportunities to female coaches and the three that I've worked with have been unbelievable and they fully deserve their, their opportunities to go and uh, be head coaches in, in outstanding jobs and all three, uh, all three are doing really
2: well.
5: So he'd also said to me earlier on in the season that he was desperate to have the uh, Team GB role and was in conversations with the FA and that the FA, you know, he trusted in his employers. His contract, of course, runs out, uh, Phil Neville's, on, uh, at the end of July 2021. He was supposed to be leading um, England in the Euro 2021 uh, home tournament, which obviously wasn't happening, and then wanted to, to take them on to, to the Olympics in, in Tokyo. Um, Claire Rafferty, where does this kind of leave the FA? I mean, who is, if the Olympics do go ahead, going to take charge if it looks as it does that Phil Neville's going to leave?
6: Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think for Phil, I I, I think you can't really blame him, in, in my opinion, just because of the way it's been pushed back. And the fact that the Olympics is short-term, isn't it? You know, it's, it's probably a, a two-, three-month contract. Um, and if he has an opportunity to, to, to fulfil something else that's a bit more long-term, I wish him good luck. But I think, on the other hand, what's going on with Team GB? Who's going to lead it? Who's going to pick the players? I, I think I would love to see Casey Stoney or Emma Hayes uh, take up the role. I think I'd like to know, um, with the FA, does it actually affect their ability to manage um Other teams, because as it being a short term role, it'd be difficult to ask someone to step down. From, for case only for the likes of Man United, you wouldn't really want to be asking them to step down for something that's quite short term. So, it'd be interesting to see what kind of t- angle they take, um and if they're open to CVs, I might submit my own. Oh, good,
5: that'd be great. Take me with <laughs> you. I've got no qualifications. So I don't <laughs> I'll call as your assistant, please. My, my, well, <laughs> yeah, I've we got go. no qualifications <laughs> either. <laughs> um Tom, is it their fault? Is it the FA's fault for not announcing him as as manager earlier i mean this does feel as if it's dragged on forever and ever
7: well, possibly, but from from our understanding, and my my colleague at the Telegraph, Luke Edwards, has done done some more in-depth reporting on this. Um, that, that, that for a long time you know, the FA have have been you know set to uh, and prepared to, to give Phil Neville this job, but there have been quite a few uh, sort of links with, with, to, for him to other jobs in the press recently, uh, and I sense that there are some suspicions that, that that Phil has been has been looking for another job for a little while um and I can't, I don't think you can blame him, as Claire says, at all for mm. having interest in other jobs because of the fact there's no guarantee the Olympics will, will go ahead, and he knows he's, that uh, you know somebody else is coming in for the, for the England job straight after the the Olympics, so um, to, you know to miss out on another job uh, uh, for the Olympics you know would be a risk. But no, I I I think that um, that I think. All parties will be quite happy to part ways, to be honest with you. There were some real highs to Phil Neville's tenure, but we've seen since the Olymp- since the World Cup quite a few lows. Uh, but the problem for the FA now is where do they turn next? Because so many of the people that you would immediately have thought of are not going to be available, whether that was Bed Priestman, who's taken the, the Canada job, Ryan Skinner going to, to Tottenham. Mo Marley obviously recently retired as well, and she would have been an, uh, somebody who could have stepped in st- straight away. So uh, there aren't as many options as normal for, for a short-term fix. No, but
5: it's interesting what Claire said there about Casey Stoney or Emma Hayes particularly. Would that have to be ratified uh, by Manchester United or, or, or Chelsea for them to do that? Because obviously it, it would have implications perhaps leading up to, to pre-season and preparing for, for next season's
7: WSL. Yeah, that would certainly need to be um, approved by by either of those two clubs. And, and I, But could I they sense take that...
5: it temporarily is what I mean, rather than have to step down from their role like Claire's suggesting? Could Could they perhaps have almost...
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
5: It's like a sabbatical, if if
7: you like. I'd like to think they could, and I, and I would hope that that would be an option. But I think one of the other factors, uh, from from what I'm understanding, is that actually the FA wants somebody who will spend a great deal of time this season preparing for for, for the Olympics. Whether that's you know what scouting every weekend, all the other games, you know working. Th- I, I, I don't know the exact details of, of, of that process but it does sound as though it's not just a job you can start in, in June and there's a lot of work to be done before the end of the season so it's it's a big undertaking and, and, and whether or not um, that's possible as manager of Chelsea or Manchester United, I'm not 100% sure although I do think that both of them would be brilliant, Casey particularly having had the Team GB experience from 2012 would have a lot to offer to that camp and I think both of those managers will, will manage England one day and they'll I think they'll both be brilliant for, for England in, in in the future when they get that chance. I'm just not sure at the moment whether the timing is going to work and it does sound as though it could be quite complicated with the season and we still don't know uh, as, as someone as we talked about earlier whether the Olympics will still go ahead to schedule so there's a lot of talking to be done. Um, We have talked
5: about the legacy of um, Phil Neville many times on on this show, so I think we'll just leave it as a very good luck to Phil um, in his future endeavours. If, of course, he does take the job out in Miami, because you might be listening to the podcast and this has already been done, but live on this show now, all we know is that this uh, announcement is likely to be imminent and Phil Neville set to become the new boss of David Beckham's Inter Miami uh, in the MLS. Um, Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye others alongside Tom Gary from the Telegraph and former England Chelsea and West Ham defender Claire Rafferty. If you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the Talksport app and subscribing to our podcast. Just search Talksport Women's Football Weekly. All right, coming up, um Watford Captain Helen Ward's with us to talk about the pressures of lockdown in the lower leagues. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. With me, Faye Carruthers, alongside former England, Chelsea and West Ham defender Claire Rafferty and Tom Garry from The Telegraph. Now then, as we've been discussing... Last week, England entered its third national lockdown and as a result, all non-elite football was stopped again, including all women's football below the WSL and Championship. This is, of course, as you would expect, caused disruption to the Women's FA Cup, which was already paused during the second lockdown and now there's a risk that the second and third round ties could be decided uh, by a coin toss. Surely not, Claire Rafferty.
6: Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But actually, I was just thinking, what what, uh, what options do we have potentially? You know, how much flexibility is actually there in the calendar at the moment? Um, you know, how long can this be put off for in order to actually get, have these games take place? I'm not sure how much there actually is. I haven't looked at the calendar in enough detail, but it's difficult, isn't it? Um, and I'm sure I think you do have to feel for the FA because they don't they won't want to go down that route. Um, I don't really know what else they can do. Yet.
5: Tom has got like a good funny. i Tom's got a good idea, Go then, but he Tom. doesn't think it's <laughs> gonna happen. <laughs>
6: Go well, on, I can't see this
7: happening at all. But uh, my my solution to some of the the, the the concerns about the Canada now would be for England and as many other nations as possible to withdraw from the February international friendly window. For for I know Scotland have got a, a qualifier to play, so that's complicated. Although Scotland can no longer qualify for for the Euros, um, but beyond that, it's mostly friendlies for for everybody involved. Uh, certainly from a WSL point of view. So and we don't have an England manager, uh, England haven't played a game since 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 March, and international travel at the moment seems fairly uh, not, not the most sensible thing to do. So and we had friendlies cancelled in the autumn that were scheduled. So rather than go through all that bother again, why don't we say England aren't going to play any friendlies in, in February, and let's use that slot now to try and give us a bit more time to, to put the cut back a little bit to allow a, a bit more time to get some of these games played. But I say that, Not expecting that to happen because of the various rules around fulfilling duties to the international national calendar, of course. And England will want to play a game having not played since March. But we're at a real problem now with with the cup because the FA are are sort of damned if they do and damned if they they don't. They've got to protect the safety of of the players and and these lower league teams, but also try and protect the integrity of the cup. And they're really running out of options. And as far as I understand it, they really don't want to delay tom gary for prime minister i
5: say <laughs> uh right oh sorry claire are you going to jump in there no i was
6: going to say well done tom it's a great suggestion i know best, that's what exactly I've
5: heard. <laughs> without a doubt uh, let's hear from someone who was going to be involved in 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 the second round um helen ward who's captain of watford and wales record goal scorer as well joins us now how are
1: you doing helen Oh, not too bad, thank you. Thank you for having me on.
5: Oh, thanks for coming on. We'll talk about homeschooling in a second, because I'm sure that's been great (laughs) fun for you. Um, But obviously, is it MK Dons you were supposed to play in the second round? Is that right?
1: That's right, yeah. We should have played them at home on the third. um, But obviously, that that didn't happen.
5: So what do you think about coin tosses? And what do you think about Tom's suggestion of, uh, of a pause, of a change of the February internationals?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's a suggestion I haven't heard before. So props to Tom. I think it's it's not a bad one to be honest. Um, my only my issue is, you know, with that one and um the, the tossing of a coin or, or drawing of lots is, say for example, my Watford team did get through having been really good at choosing heads or tails. Um, should we then face uh, a Chelsea or a Man City or you know a WSL one club that are flying? We are unlikely to have played any football for the best part of three or four months at that point. So, yeah, it'd be great for us to get to round four. Um, however, if we've not been training or playing for a consistent period of time, really, is, it, is there any point or is it really fair for us to then go and face a side that's been training and playing throughout? You know, that in itself could make a mockery of, of women's football and, you know, the FA Cup. I suppose it's the money that play. would be the important
5: part to that, though, wouldn't
1: it? Of course yeah but at the same time I you know money aside I don't want to go out and face a Chelsea team that've just beaten Reading 5-0 having not stepped on a football pitch in months it just yeah. it doesn't seem you know like it, it wouldn't be a level playing field it's difficult enough you know to face them at the best of times as as we saw yesterday with Reading so you know for me I think personally and I can only speak for myself um it would be really unfortunate to either scrap the cup competition altogether. You know, there's plenty of other sports and competitions in the world that have have had to be scrapped over the last year, which is which is not ideal in any by any means. But I think the damage that could be done reputationally by some of the other suggestions could be too much to overcome. You know, over the years, so it's it's a very difficult one. And like like Raf said, it's the, the the FA can't win, and and you'd hate to be in their position because. They can never be right, um, so it's a very difficult place to be in. Mm.
5: Raph, what do you think about the potential to to scrap it all together? Uh, I, I think Helen's
6: right there. Like you do, run the risk of actually, you know, putting these teams like Watford as a bigger disadvantage, and then you just kind of you do lose the, you know, the FA Cup is is it's. it's it's got that passion, the emotion in it, and it's kind of already seems to have lost its way because of that. I think it would be disappointing for for a team to lose um, while picking heads rather than tails. Um, But I I I don't really know how else we're really going to get around it. And I think, firstly, hi, Helen. How are you doing? I've not spoken to you for a while. <laughs> I was reading an interesting article on, on what you were saying about um, retiring and not letting COVID retire it um, affect your retirement or your decision-making around that. So I think that in itself kind of aligns with that, not it? COVID is wrecking havoc with, with, with women's football in particular. Um, and yeah, I really hope you don't retire anytime soon because of COVID. That's just me. Top yeah. striker. One of the best strikers I've ever played against, by the way.
5: Um, <laughs> absolute <laughs> legend. Top, <Thank> top <laughs> record uh, goal scorer for, for Wales. Um, yes. And uh, interesting that Raf mentioned that that article because you have spoken to a couple of journalists about you know well you tweeted it out first and foremost didn't you about contemplating retirement because of having to balance training homeschooling your job as as well how difficult has it been recently for you
1: yeah it has been tough and you know raf probably knows as, as well as anyone that you know she's been through some some really terrible injuries in her career and I'd imagine a lot of the rehab is training alone and it's really difficult to do to motivate yourself um to keep going and, and feel like you're actually progressing because when you're a footballer you you're designed to train with and alongside your teammates and so to not be able to do that is really hard and it was sort of just I kind of tweeted out of emotion um the announcement had just been made about schools being closed for at least six or seven weeks and I've got my six year old to try home school. I've got Charlie who's three, who's running riot, you know, whilst that's happening, trying to keep him entertained, also trying to find time to train. Husband working full time, so I you know, I can't get out and train, it's sort of restricted to a, a tiny little room with a treadmill and, you know, a few free weights. So it's it's difficult and I was just sort of feeling a little bit emotional at that point and thinking, How do I carry on? Um but then obviously I had a bit of an overwhelming reaction and, and a hell of a lot of support which I'm very grateful for. And I kind of thought, look, I'm not ready to do this. I can't let COVID beat me. Um, you know, plenty of people going through worse struggles than myself. And, you know, we've just got to try and get through it. And, and hopefully once lockdown restrictions are are lifted and I'm able to get back with, with my teammates, then hopefully I won't be in too bad a position. But it was just a bit of an overwhelming feeling at that point when I sent that tweet. Helen, just touching on what you mentioned there, your, your teammates at Watford, how have you found
6: it as one of the, the more experienced players in the team, has there been, do you guys have like a WhatsApp group to keep, keep each other going, because obviously you mentioned training by yourself it, it is very lonely, it's quite hard to keep motivated, especially when you don't know when you're starting back, you know, what are you training for now, are you even training for the FA Cup game, what's what's happening, have you found that there's been a lot of players leaning on, on you for a little bit of, of experience or advice, how's that been?
1: And um, yeah of course we've got we've obviously got the WhatsApp groups and we've had a couple of um Zoom meetings not quite so many as the first lockdown I think everyone got bored of the quizzes <laughs> after a little while <laughs> I think the whole world feels the same about that um but yeah we 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 try and keep each other going and to be fair to the girls they've actually kept me going in the last couple of weeks cuz you know they've been the ones that have reached out to me and said look keep going you know, you're, you're such an experienced player, et cetera, and um, almost sort of willing me to stay. Um, I think they just want me to be there, so I'm the oldest one in the team and they don't have to take that, that role over. But um, no, we've got a good group and everybody sticks together. And like you said, it's the hardest thing is not knowing when we'll be back, but we know that when the time comes, we'll all be ready and, and hopefully everybody's got through it unscathed and, and able to take to the pitch again when the time's right.
5: You've got, you got to hit that century for Wales as well. You must have that in your sights. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I've got six six games to go. I think I'm on ninety four now, so it'd be obviously that'd be an unbelievable um personal achievement. If it happens, it happens. Um it's it's not a massive priority, but obviously the closer you get the more you think it'd be disappointing to miss out. See, I've got to get myself in, in a position to be selected and then hopefully um take part in the next few games that are hopefully coming up um but yeah it's it's something that's in the back of my mind but as i said it's it's not a massive priority for me at the moment
5: well we keep our fingers crossed for you for the Caps and also for the homeschooling. I know how difficult that is from, <laughs> from friends and, and my family's experience. Lovely to talk to you, Helen. Take care of yourself. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Uh, Watford captain and Wales record goalscorer Helen Ward there. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Alongside former Lioness Claire Rafferty and The Telegraph's Tom Gary. If you miss any of the show, you can find our podcast by downloading the TalkSport app and searching for Women's Football Weekly. Right, next... Actually, some football and super Frank Kirby. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I am Faker Others, and keeping you company with me is World Cup bronze medalist Claire Rafferty and The Telegraph's women's football writer Tom Garry. So let's actually talk about some football, uh, shall we? Uh, despite all the last-minute postponements, there was one WSL game this weekend. Chelsea beat Reading 5-0 and super Frank Kirby was the star of the show.
4: A chance for the opening goal, no mistake. Chelsea have taken the lead, 15 minutes on the clock. Mitchell gives it away to Kirby, again bearing down on goal for a second. This time, no mistake. And Chelsea have doubled their advantage after 22 minutes. And this is turning into the Fran Kirby show. Kurt keeps it in, and Kirby's there, and that is the hat-trick. The flag stays down, and Chelsea have scored a third. And Kirby has a first-half hat-trick. Corner has floated in towards Kirby again. Can you believe it? That's another goal, and it is Fran Kirby with her fourth. So, four goals for Fran
5: Kirby. By the way, I need to just tell you all that producer Flo, who's just turned the music up here, has told me that this music in the background is an acoustic version of a new Steps song. I don't know what any of you think of that. I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds very, very Eurovision to me. Uh, Raph, birthday song for you, fan, not a fan? I was going to say, I think that would go quite nicely with "Happy Birthday to Claire," wouldn't it? Happy Lovely. birthday nice to Claire. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you're getting from me. I'm sorry, I am tone deaf. Thanks. Yeah, cheers. Uh, could you? T- it was. It was with feeling. <laughs> uh, okay, Chelsea now 30 <laughs> games unbeaten. Um, that is pretty impressive in itself. But for Frank Kirby, seven goals in seven WSL games now, making up for lost time. Raf.
6: Yeah, I mean, she's been incredible, hasn't she? Um, unplayable, as football cliche goes, this season. Um, and I thought, what is it, right foot, left foot, and a header? Um, Perfect. I'm, I'm just hat-trick. pleased for her, to be honest. She's, yeah, she's you know she's been up and down, hasn't she, with illnesses and injuries, and I just feel like uh, for her, it's it's about especially going to Reading, a team that she'd come from. She speaks very highly of. Um, and scoring and running riot so emphatically like she did. I'm just very pleased for her. And also pleased for Chelsea. They've been actually struggling to score more than one mm. away from home uh, recently. So it's good for them to get a bit of a morale boost. I'm not sure that they needed one that much. But, um, yeah, I think Reading struggled, didn't they?
5: Yeah, they did. I mean, to be honest, they've they've always struggled against Chelsea. They've just taken two points from them in nine league matches. Um, but it does put Chelsea into second, leapfrogging Arsenal, who obviously asked to have their game postponed. And they have a game in hand as well over Manchester United and Arsenal. Three points behind United now, Tom. Um, Are Chelsea looking favourites for the title again this season?
7: For me, yes, I think so. The football I've, I've seen from them has been superb. Uh, I, I feel this is now the best squad any British side has assembled in, in, since Arsenal's quadruple in 2007. We're at another level now, That yesterday they won 5-0 with with the likes of uh, Panilla Harder, Magdalena Eriksson and Giso Young on the bench, as well as Beth England. I mean, that's extraordinary depth to have those players on the bench some of their football was fantastic the link up from kirby and uh, and sam kerr was sublime and um i i think the home advantage will help against manchester united in that superb game that mouthwatering game Ooh, on I sunday can't we wait. can't wait for that match uh, but no i i make them favorites for the title now yes yeah, so i i pre-season i was tipping arsenal just because i thought not playing in the champions league would help them. And I thought the, the fixture calendar with the games around Chelsea and Man City's European commitments look quite tough, but actually Arsenal have dropped points now to an extent where our, our, I make Chelsea favourites.
5: And this is exactly what Emma Hayes has done, isn't it, Claire Rafferty? She's, she's assembled a squad that has the depth to play in every single one of these competitions and go in and win every single one of these competitions.
6: Yeah, and I think that's why you know she was was so strong in in saying about other clubs investing in in the in the numbers of players they have in the squad and the depth of that. I think it's it's been a work in progress over the over the years um, since she's been there, and it's it's not something that is easy to do either. Um, obviously, you need money behind you to get the quality of players that we've got. Um, But also you need to get all these players on the pitch, you know, there's a lot of fantastic players who are sitting on the bench as well. So actually keeping them happy is a a, a struggle in itself. So yeah, I think the the depth of this squad has the ability to go very far, I think. Um, And I think the pressure is on for her to do so as well. Um, Expectations to be winning Champions Leagues, I think.
5: Yeah, very much so. Um, their game against Manchester City midweek, the Conti Cup quarterfinal, is now going to be played on Wednesday the 20th of January after Manchester City had to postpone because of those COVID tests. Um, some more WSL news I just want to talk about. Oli Harder signing as West Ham manager. What do we know about him, Tom?
7: Well, in the English game, we know, we know very little. We know that uh, from certainly had a very good reputation in Scandinavia, but this was a, a, a real left-field choice from West Ham. But from what I'm told, uh, Jack Sullivan and West Ham's general manager, Aidan Boxall, were really impressed with Oli Harder's attention to detail and almost forensical tactical analysis and, and, and his deep look at, at technical elements of, of the game. But they did really think outside the box with this appointment. I, I was also advised that they were, they had, before making the an announcement, had spoken to another coach from Scandinavia called Brian Sorensen, who did well with Fortuna Herring. But they really looked outside of the traditional box for this appointment, uh, which is a gamble in many ways. But um, a lot of people who I've spoken to about Harley Harder have said that, that we will be impressed with his his tactical ideas and his kind of ability to to, to to change and adapt tactics throughout a game. And that might be what West Ham need because, realistically, they can't... Compete with, uh, with with Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, and Manchester United on a financial level. So, to try and compete for trophies, they will need to think outside the box, and that seems to be what they've they've done. And I think he could, if things go well, see success, success quite quickly because the the draw with the the Women's League Cup has opened up quite quite nicely for a couple of teams. And, and West Ham, if they if they can get past a couple of tricky ties, they could find themselves in a in a in a League Cup final.
5: Interesting. Any news from obviously you know League Cup finals? Well, Ralph, any um news from the dressing room from your tor- former teammates at West Ham? You know what?
6: I'm not sure. I, I, I think, obviously, bringing in, the, in, in this new manager. For me, uh, Matt Beard, I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, I think, it, by the sounds of it, I don't know a great deal about Oli, but they, they seem that like they have very differing demeanours. Um, I think we all know that Matt um, Biddy is quite to the point and passionate. Um, by the sounds of things, There's a bit of research I've done harder. It seems a little bit calmer. Um, on the touchline, I think he. I think he's I think he's, he's, taught, he's mentioned a few times about um shifting the playing style and how long that's actually going to take. Um, obviously each manager comes in wants to implement their own style, don't they? So, um, we'll see how long or how long that will take to actually implement that. It does. Go down to the adaptability of the players. Obviously, he hasn't recruited any of these players. So, how long do you give a manager to be able to to make a change and make make an impact? Mm, make a um, team as sure well. He would have gone in with a long term. I'm sure he would have gone in with a long term plan, and Jack Sullivan would be supporting him on that.
5: Interesting. Interesting times at West Ham for sure. We'll just quick up, um, wrap up the championship very quickly. Uh, three games uh, played at the weekend. Leicester City uh, flying high, beat Sheffield United by two goals to one. Uh, Lewis held Durham, who are in second to a one-all draw. Good point for them. Uh, Durham currently three points now behind Leicester. And London City, Crystal Palace ended uh, goalless. Uh, right. Claire Rafferty, how was it to spend an hour of your birthday in the company of myself and Tom Gary? I hope we, uh, we lived up to expectations. I couldn't think of any
6: better way to spend my evening than talking to you guys about women's football. So really? thanks for, for the company. I'm sure you could. Yeah, well, I can't do anything else, can I? <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you got planned for this evening? Um, I've got a nice meal planned that I'm actually going to cook myself because my family are not the best cooks, so I'm taking control of that. So I'm treating everyone else with a nice cooked meal.
5: Oh, lovely. Okay, I'll wait for my invite post-lockdown <laughs> in that case. I'll send you a picture, Faye. Thank you. Yeah, that'll do.
7: That'll do. <laughs> oh, I'll be
5: very, very jealous. Uh, Tom Gary, how was your debut?
7: Oh, well, it was a privilege to to you. Thank you very much for for having me on. It was our pleasure. Look
5: forward to having you both on again soon. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Next week, former England and Manchester United goalkeeper Siobhan Chamberlain will be with us. Thanks, though, to Claire Rafferty, Tom Garrier and Helen Ward. And of course, all of you, as ever, for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show or you want to listen back to any of our specials from last year, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app.